Right, so uh, this is all very interesting, really. So if you, the other day I was listening to, I listened to prophecies that are on my phone that the Lord has given me over the years, and uh, there was one that just, you know, I, go, I sort of go, all right, Lord, speak to me, remind me of something, uh, and then hit that prophecy, and then it'll start playing. Uh, and this one prophecy kept playing four times in a row. I was like, yeah, I've heard that one. And I, was like, and I pressed again, and it came up 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 again. So I was like, okay, I'll listen to it all the way through. And it was just the last couple of minutes. And God has always consistently said this. And he said, stop using notes and allow my spirit to talk through you. I'll give you what to say just as you're about to get up. All right, so we're going to go for that today. And obviously the theme of what God is speaking about today, I know some of you are thinking, thank goodness, at last. Um, the scripture from Psalm 24 uh, we'll look at is from 7 to 10. And it says, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Now, this psalm works on so many different levels. Um, there's a lot going on here. We're not even going to have time to really get into a lot of this. But what I wanted to focus on was the idea of gates. What are gates? Now, as... Um, what's his name? Terrible names. Who was leading worship? What's your name? Alex. Alex. <laughs> so, uh, the spirit is moving, as you can see. Uh, Alex. Not very good with names. Sometimes I have to introduce my own wife and I panic. I go, who is she? Who is she? <laughs> is it Sharon? No, that's not right. Um, anyway, so um, he, as he was singing, he, he, he was prophesying this song. Now, but what, what you don't know and what none of you know is that he was, uh, Tracy tapped on the shoulder and said, oh, God's singing to you. Because a long time ago, well, not that long ago, probably about a few years ago, um, I, I was in the prayer room one morning and I was praying and God gave me this really clear word. It, was, it said, I'm going to give you the keys to Titchfield. And as I give you the keys to Titchfield and you inhabit the place that I give you in Titchfield, then I will give you the keys to Fareham so that you can unlock that gate so that you may go back into Fareham again. And, uh, and so that day I went to Tracy and I said, do you know what? I said, I think that we're going to be, we're going to be given that building in Titchfield. Um, and she was like, no, don't be silly. And literally half an hour later, I got a text from the main pastor here and said, and said he would like to meet with me. And that was the day over coffee that we discussed then that he wanted to hand this building over to us. So to hear that, and, and to, so I, that's all written down. And so to hear, um, Alex, isn't it? So to hear, I'm sure I've known for years, by the way. So to hear Alex singing back, that prophecy to me, saying that once you've got the keys to Titchfield, you'll get the keys to Fareham and open its gates and stuff. That's basically confirming that. I think we've been here, we've inhabited Titchfield now, we're here, and God is going to open up gates for us in Fareham as well. Because that's where most of our congregations come from, and we've, we've uh, taken over the Titchfield building, we've got a Titchfield congregation here. But for some of us who have come from the Fareham congregation, we want to be back in Fareham again as well. Because uh, we love Titchfield, but we want to be in Fareham as well. So that's encouraging. So gates. What are gates? Now, there are various different things with gates. We know what a gate is. You've got a garden gate. You've got uh, temple gates. You've got gates on castles. But when it's talking about here, lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors. It's talking about um, the entrance 
to, so the city of Jerusalem has like this walled city all around it and there's various gates all the way around. So in part that's to do with the gates. Also then you have the gates to the temple and the ancient doors. But also for those that are familiar with um, prophecies like Ezekiel's temple as well that's still yet to be built. Again we get this picture of gates being open and ancient doors and stuff. But one of the things I want to focus on this morning, which I felt God was saying to focus on, is actually from in Genesis, part of the Abrahamic blessing. God says to Abraham, he says, um, I will give you the gates of your enemies. That was part of the prophecy or part of the blessing. Uh, you know, you shall be numerous as the stars, your descendants will be as the sand of the sea, but you shall possess the gates of your enemies. Hallelujah. And so this is what I want to talk about for the moment. And everyone in this room we too have gates, okay? I'm not talking about your house. I'm talking about gates of your being. You have ear gates, you have eye gates, nose gates, uh, mouth gate, heart gate, okay? What do I mean by this is, you know, we've got to be very careful about what we allow to go in through our eyes, what goes in through our ears, I don't know about the nose so much, um, what goes in, you know, and what goes into our hearts. Because, you know, Jesus says it's, it's not physically food that goes into your mouth that, uh, that defiles a man. It's what comes out of his heart that defiles a man. And I, I often think, you know, I'm a great believer that what goes in is the very same thing that's going to come out. So if you're watching lots of films that have got lots of bad language in, then I can guarantee when the pressure's on and that sponge is squeezed, the thing that's going to come out of your mouth is some bad language. Do I get an amen? Yeah. So you've all watched films you should be watching. Okay, right. So basically, so we've got to be very careful about what goes in and what goes out. Now, another thing that we need to be careful of, another kind of gate, is a trapped gate. And I've spoken on this before as well, which is the, the, there's a thing called a scandalon. Does anyone know what a scandalon is? A scandalon is, is the baited part of a trap. So what it, you've got certain types of traps where you go inside it, if you're an animal, and there's a piece of bait there, but when you bite on the bait, the gate shuts behind you, and then you're trapped. Now, interestingly, the word in the Greek for scandalon is where, the, where we get the word offence from. And one of the things that we can do is that we can get offended at people, and we can harbour bitterness and anger and unforgiveness towards people, because when you've bitten down on that bait, which is, or they said this about me, or, or, or they're thinking that about me, or they hurt me, or they did this, and you bite down on that baited part of the trap, the gate is closed behind you, then you're ensnared, then you're trapped, then you're in captivity. And God doesn't want his people to be in captivity. He wants his people to be free. So we know from Luke chapter 4, Jesus says, you know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he's anointed me to preach good news, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, um, to set the captives free. So Jesus has come to set us free. It says in uh, John 10.10, Jesus says, you know, the enemy comes to rob, to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life in abundance. But too often we get caught in these traps. Too often we get caught in the enemy's gates. You see, your inheritance, your blessing, is that you possess the gates of your enemies. But too often, if we're not careful with our own gates, in our own lives, we can make a place for the enemy to come in and run roughshod over our lives. 
by things that we watch, by things that we see, by things that we hear. You may think, well, what could I hear? Just hearing things that you probably shouldn't be listening to, gossip and slander and rumour and stuff. And, and we're living in a day and an age where you switch on the news and it's constant all the time. It's slanderous all the time. You know, I, I was always told that a man or woman is, is innocent until proven guilty. Now it's you're guilty until you're proven innocent. And by which time your reputation is marred and tired, and so who cares anyway? Chuck them in the pile and move on to the next person that we can do the same thing to. And so as Christians, we've got to be careful we don't get, we don't get pulled into that kind of culture. I used to love a long time ago watching Have I Got News For You? But then I, I just began to become more uncomfortable with it because the Bible says, speak evil of no man. And yet they, all they were doing was they were generally slating politicians. And, you know, to be fair, some politicians have what's coming to them because they walked into it. But I didn't think it was my place to mock them, to laugh at their misfortune and stuff. So we've got to be really careful what we're doing with our lives and, 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 and stuff with respect to that. So lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. We've got to open our gates to the right guy. We've got to open our gates. Now, I know it sounds really cheesy, but you've got to open your gates to Christ. And you've got to open your gates to his ways and his word and walk in his ways and walk in his word. Because his ways are not our ways. You know, sometimes when I, when I look at the Bible, you, you can look at it through a lens where it's very much, thou shalt not do this and you shall do that. Anyone else had anyone here had those days where you pick up the Bible and it seems like it's a thou shalt not day and a thou shalt day? But I, one of the things that God's really spoken to me of late about the commandments of the Scripture, it doesn't, I don't care whether you're looking in the old or the new, 613 in the old or 1040 in the new, you still have the same problem, which is how do you approach the commandments of, of God? Do you, is it like a tick list that somehow that I must get through? Because you see, the, path, the pathway to freedom in Christ, I believe in part, is in obedience to Christ. But how you see obedience can really uh, hinder or enable you to walk in a greater freedom in God. And one of the things that I felt God's teach me through the scriptures was that when he says, you know, this is the way of the Lord, walk ye in it, the commandments of God you know, shouldn't be burdensome to us. They shouldn't be like, you shall not do this or else, okay? Because actually, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me, John 14. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. And, and all of a sudden, I saw his commandments as something beautiful, as the way of peace, as the pathway of wisdom, as the way of beauty, as the way of truth. That if I walk in his ways, like Ephesians 5.1 says, be imitators of God as dearly beloved children. That if I walk the way he walks, if I talk the way he talks, if I start walking in the path of righteousness, then he will bless me. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul and he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me in the path of righteousness. This is not just about, oh, you can't do that, Chris. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. It's like, no, God is showing us a better way. God is showing us a way where you can live in peace, where you can live in God's shalom. What does that mean? Shalom is a Hebrew word, which means peace, but it's so much more than that. It's to do with 
God's continual blessing of favour over you, so much so that you are never anxious about anything because you know God has got it covered. That's the place of peace. And if we walk in the highway of the Lord, if we walk in his paths of righteousness, if we submit to his will and walk in those things, it's a place of joy, it's a place of peace, and it's the path of wisdom. I want to walk on that highway. Every day of my life, I want to walk that highway. But you see, we make mistakes, don't we? Anyone been in a bad mood today? Yeah. A couple of us, yeah. It must be the guys today. I don't know what it is in the weather, but uh, it's obviously the guys. <laughs> so, guys. So we've had a we've had a grumpy morning today. I woke up. I've been really tired. It's been a really grueling week, and then the next week's going to be another grueling week. But then after that, it calms down a bit. So I was I was a bit moody this morning, and this morning I, I was meditating on this passage from Psalm one verse six, and it says. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Don't you sometimes feel like, well, which one am I today then? (laughs) Am I a wicked person or am I a righteous person? But actually we know from the scriptures, it says in Habakkuk 2.4, the righteous shall live by faith. Okay, so that's what, when you come to know Jesus, you believe in him by faith. That's what gets you in through the door, right? And we know in the scriptures, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, so we're righteous. The Bible also says, because of the blood of Jesus, we're holy. Okay, so we're righteous and we're holy. Now, you know, hang on a minute. You know, that's something, where are you going with this, Chris? So I am righteous and I am holy, but I'm a righteous and holy guy that had a bad day this morning. Okay. Now, what does the Bible do say if you if you make mistakes and you sin? What does it say? Stone him. Sorry. <laughs> Stone him. Okay. We've got an Old Testament girl here. She's not quite the in the covenant. Okay. You work on that, bless her. Okay. <laughs> She's obviously watched too many Monty Python films. And everyone just laughed. Also watched films you should be watching. So yeah, yeah, yeah. life of Brian. Okay. So so basically, you know. We, we, when we make mistakes, I always say, if you, you know, if you make a mistake, then you just need to fess up. You just need to confess before our Lord. And it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, true, and just to forgive us our sins. Amen. Amen. So, but also, so I want you to be encouraged, first of all, that you are righteous, even when you have a bad day. Yeah? Because, and I was thinking again this morning, I was like, well... If I am righteous and if I am holy, then what's the point of being, trying to act righteous and act holy, if I already am? And I have this picture of a king, but he isn't quite king yet, right? Because he's still going through his training and stuff, and he's having a paddy, and he gets, and the guy who's training him says, hey, stop acting like a five-year-old and act like a king. So you are righteous, therefore act like it. You are holy. Therefore, act like it. You know, we're going to have bad days. But if you have a bad day, it's like, okay, I pick myself up. I confess my sins for God. I keep a short count. And then I get back up on my feet. And I'm back in the place of righteousness again. Okay? And also, forgive yourself. Because sometimes you give yourself a good whipping, don't you? Yeah? But it says in Proverbs, it says, He who condemns a righteous man is an abomination to the Lord. 
So if you go around, even though Jesus has forgiven you for your sins, and you'll still go around giving yourself a good kicking and a punching, and you haven't forgiven yourself, even though the blood of Jesus has forgiven you, and Jesus has dealt with it, then who or what do you think you're doing? You're condemning yourself. You have no right, no place, no authority to do it. Yeah, so do yourself a favor. Stop it and get right on up and get into the place of joy. I went to the prayer room this morning. <laughs> oh dear, I'm sorry, Jesus. I fleshed out this morning. I really, I know you know what I want, you know, but I'm not telling. But Jesus, oh, please, please forgive me, Lord, for what I've done this morning. And, and then I had to forgive myself. And Chris, what you did this morning was, was, was stupid, but I forgive you. Let's move on. Hallelujah. Obviously, I said sorry to everybody else as well, so it's not like I'm forgiven. You know, oh, my wife's still in the grump with me, but I'm forgiven. Obviously, I have to apologise to the people that I've offended, etc., and move on. But the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So when we're walking in the ways of God, He's going to watch over us because we're in the path of righteousness. So we need to watch our gates. We need to watch those ancient doors that the king of glory may come in. He's a king, but he's not just a king. He's a king of glory. Glory is the weightiness, the presence of God. Have you ever been in a, in a meeting sometimes, or even just on your own, where, where the presence of God is so strong, it's tangible, it's heavy in the room. Has anyone ever experienced that? It's a wonderful feeling. You know, that's, that's the God that we serve. We don't serve a fake God that doesn't turn up. We serve a miraculous God, a powerful God. He is real. He is active. He is here. He is living. And he's here to set you free. But God wants to stop the enemy taking the gates of his people. God wants his people to be walking in freedom. You see, when you live a righteous life, you are like a wet slimy, slithery, wet fish as far as the devil's concerned because he can't get his hands on you. He tries to pick you up and you've got slipping out of his hands because you are covered in his spirit and in his goodness and in his righteousness and you are like a slimy little salmon and he cannot touch you, he cannot pick you up. He'll try but he can't get you, okay? And that's the thing, so, yes, Julia. You're an angel fish, are you? Okay. I'm one of those kissy, pink kissy fish. Right. I don't really know why they were created, but they're funny nevertheless. <laughs> but God wants us to be in a place of freedom. And I think, you know, with this thing about gates, is that I, I think the enemy has robbed us and had our gates for too long. Anyone here witness to this, that there's some things in, you, in your life you just know, you know what, the enemy has always been getting me in these gates. And it, enough is enough. Now, another thing that God was speaking to me about the other day was the issue of abortion, but not in the natural, but in the spiritual, which links up to this as well, is that there are many Christians that have had ministries, callings, things that they should have done for God, for whatever reason, was aborted and was short-circuited and never came to pass. Is there people in this room that, that witness to that, where there's something you're like, I know that that should have happened, but it didn't happen, and I don't know why. Okay, just, just me, yeah? No? Yeah, everyone else? Okay. And, 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 and I believe that the, the days that we're coming into now, that God has said, enough is enough. But you see, you might question and say, God, 
why did you allow these things to happen to me? Why did you allow that to get short-circuited? And now that you want it to come to pass, I'll tell you why. Because when the devil robs you, he has to pay you back a minimum of sevenfold return. So that means what he took from you, the devil now needs to give back to you sevenfold return. So you will be stronger and better and more prosperous in the things that God has called you to do. And also what God wants you to do will be more relevant in the days that we're coming into than it probably was in the day that could have happened. Because in the days that we're coming into, people will be looking to you guys for answers. Because we're moving into serious days. I don't believe we're quite at the end of the age yet, but I do believe we're moving into serious times. And God wants us to be a people that are walking in freedom. In other words, you need to have your gates not occupied by the enemy. You need your gates to be open, free, so you can let God, the King of Glory, come in. So that you can go out and you can take the enemy's territory and you can take his gates. Amen? I remember talking about gates once at this church, and it was really quite bizarre. There was a couple of witches that were sat in the congregation. And as I was preaching on, on the gates and stuff and how God was going to take the gates, someone, they had like a pentagram in their in the thing, and it literally snapped and just fell off them. And whilst out the front of their church, they actually had people like drug, uh, people who are into drugs and abuse and stuff who were at, literally at the gates of their church. And so for them, they had to start taking spiritual authority again and take back possession of their gates. And it stopped. And so that's what we have to do. Sometimes we're a bit too passive as Christians. We just sit there and week on, week off, we just get another attack from the enemy and another attack from the enemy and another attack from the enemy. But God wants us to be in a place now where enough is enough and we have to stand up and start taking back some territory. Amen? Amen. How many of you here have been robbed by the enemy? Yeah, I expect every one of us. But it's time, brothers and sisters, that I believe God wants to not only get back what belongs to you, but start plundering his house. Because what people like, Christians get a little bit nervous about, well, I shouldn't plunder his house because it's his goods. No, everything that Satan has does not belong to him. Everything that he has has been stolen and taken. Even the authority and the power that he has on this earth was because he deceived Adam and Eve into giving him their authority over the nations and over the earth. So that he then became the God of this earth. And that's why Jesus, in part, had to go to the cross. So then he came, when he, when he rose again from the dead, he said, All power in heaven and on earth is mine. Now therefore, you go. Hallelujah. You have been given the authority and the power to go and kick the devil's butt. So, Luke 10, 19, if you turn into that. I only remember that scripture because I used to have this really cheesy kind of Christian tape that like sang some of the scriptures to get you to memorize them. You heard it too, yeah? You got it too. And it says, uh, the 70 returned, verse 17, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. And he said to them, I watch Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that the name of the in heaven. We have been given power 
and authority to tread upon snakes and scorpions. What are snakes and scorpions? They are unclean things to the Jewish understanding. They're to us what the Bible calls unclean spirits. They are demons, demonic beings. And Jesus has given us the power and authority to deal with them. Now, I remember back in the, in the, I think probably in the mid-90s, everyone was casting out demons left, right and centre. Yeah? Do you remember that phase? Yes. Yeah, okay. And I think we kind of overdid it a little bit. Yes. So now nobody wants to do it ever again. Okay. But unfortunately, demonic stuff is a reality. Yes. Now, a lot of Christians, they might think, well, that's just not really where I'm at. It's not really on my wavelength. It's not something that I'm, I'm experienced in. Trust me. You go out on the streets of Gosport and ask several people, and one of them will test... Sorry, Kev, I always pick on gospel. But one of them... I, I mean, I could be Portsmouth. I don't know. It just came into my mind, right? It's not, there's no prejudice going on here. Not today, right? So when I, I've been down there, and I've spoken to them, and they've all admitted they've had, they've had some kind of supernatural experience in their life with something dark, okay? There are not many people that I've met that have never experienced anything like that. Actually, quite a lot of people have, but they don't want to talk about it, and they put it at the back of their mind. All right? The reality is we live in a world where there is a devil and there are demons. And there is such a thing as absolute evil. But God is good. God is powerful. But guess what? He ain't going to do anything about it. Because he's already done what needs to be done. And he's commissioned you and me to be the ones to get out there and do it. Because <laughs> if you're waiting for Jesus to do it, you're going to be waiting for a very long time. Hallelujah. I remember this one preacher said it's like so the church has gone into this place where they put this big shotgun and they've stuck it on the shelf over the fireplace and put it in a glass box. It's like that was the gun that used to go and run off the devil. Um, but uh, now it's just a nice ornament above the fireplace. It's like, what are you doing? Break the glass, get the thing out and start taking some authority and shooting the devil. Amen. And we don't need to be scared of him either. There's almost this, don't get me wrong. Satan is a very, very clever, angelic being. So I'm not saying he's an idiot and he's stupid, because he's not. And he'll outsmart any person on planet Earth just like that. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. All right? You have the Holy Spirit guarding your gate. You have the Holy Spirit who's living and residing within you. Hallelujah. Man, I could just explode right now with joy <laughs> as we go okay let's do some declaring lords i thank you jesus that you are a good god you are a powerful god you are mighty that you have defeated the devil you have defeated these angels lord god lord jesus you have taken captivity captive lord you are victorious over sin and death you are victorious over all the power of the enemy and i declare to you satan and you devils in these people's lives and in this church you will come here no more you will rob people no more you will not cause any more spiritual terminations or abortions in this people of god in the name of jesus we command you to get out of these people's lives get out of their gates in jesus name we command you to leave and leave these people and get out in Jesus' mighty name. And I declare before all the powers and principalities, devil and you angels, we're coming for your territory. We're coming for your gates. Not in our might, but by his might, by his power, by his spirit, we are going to take dominion back from what you have stolen that rightfully belongs to us and Jesus and his church. In Jesus' name, all the saints said, Amen. Hallelujah.
Amen. Now when we read this psalm, it's a place of victory. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, and let the King of glory in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Jesus likes a fight. Church, Church likes a fight. Sorry, Jesus likes a fight. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. God wants to come into Titchfield. God, now you're thinking, well, theologically he is, right? Theologically he's omnipresent, he's everywhere. But God wants to do a work here in Titchfield. And God wants to do a work in Pharaoh. And God wants to do a work in Gospel. But it's our responsibility to usher him into the gates of these places, these spiritual territories. God, when he gave me that that vision about receiving this church, God showed me quite clearly that there are spiritual gates and doorways. I I don't quite understand what it means, but there are spiritual gates and doorways to towns and villages and cities. And God wants to move in Titchfield and do great things in this place. And I believe God wants to do great mighty things through Fareham and Gospel and in Portsmouth. Amen. God has a plan, but actually it's down to us, yeah. really. Not, not in our own strength and not moving ahead of God. must always be in tandem with the things of the Spirit. But actually there's a lot of things that we can do that we don't do, which we should do. I just want to finish with this. I remember years ago... Um, me and a few people, we did, I mean, I don't know why we did it, but we, we kind of felt impressed upon ourselves. We were only 20-odd uh, uh, at the time. And uh, so we, we just felt something needed to happen in the Loxwood Centre in, where is it? Where's Loxwood Centre? Loxwood thank you. So we used to walk around there and we just prayer walked. And even as we were prayer walking, we met some like, young teenagers just sit, sitting on the swings and stuff. You know, and you just got to see the, the lives of these people. Now, Loxheath is quite a nice area, okay? So, again, we look with the eyes of the natural. This place is fine, nothing going on here. But then this kid on the swing, his dad had just hung himself. And, and he was just coming to terms with that. And it's like, these are seemingly affluent-looking people who've got their lives together. Quite clearly, under the veneer of suburbia, they're in a mess. And so we just prayed, walk, prayer walked around this, around this area. Obviously, we didn't really know what we were doing. We just felt that like we had to do it. But then after we stopped doing that, then a church was planted in that area. And then we started hearing, you know, there was some centre that was open for the youth people and various things that went on in that area. Just because we simply walked the territory and started praying. And I think, you know, I know it, it's, it's a pain sometimes, but we do need to do some work. Uh, St. Benedict called prayer an office. And the word office comes from the Latin word, which means to work. Prayer is work. You know, sometimes it's fun, glory be to God, but sometimes it's work. And you don't want to... How many people on a Monday morning want to go to work? Okay, no one, okay. So, so you know, you know how it feels. So, but sometimes when, when it comes to prayer, it's a work. And sometimes you don't want to pray, but actually we need to pray. And we need to start taking the gates of our towns and our villages and our cities again and we need to start doing it by prayer and I think it would be good to do things like prayer walks. You think of Joshua, how they went round the city, around and around and around. Basically they were walking around praising and worshipping and praying 
And then at the right time, at the right place, at the call of God, they gave the trumpet blast, the walls were broken and they had access to that city. And it's the same in the nat- as it was in the natural as it is in the spirit. God wants his church reclaim her own gates and then start taking the gates of the cities and the towns and the villages and take back that which the devil has robbed, stolen and destroyed and start giving people hope and life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.